From a business perspective, January is not starting out with very positive news. We look at layoffs in the industry, Microsoft, 10,000 employees, Google, 12,000 employees, Amazon, 18,000 employees. Just announced today, Spotify, 590 employees. In addition, there's a lot of bad economic data saying that we are headed into a recession. So the topic we are going to explore together today is the power of positivity. And how can you embrace positivity when everything around you might not be going so great? Welcome to the Empower Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. This show helps you turn insights into action for powerful leadership growth. And today on the show, I am thrilled to have Jenny Ketchapaw, who is the Vice President of Talent Engagement for a very large California-based bank. She's also the founding member of WeWill, which stands for Women Empowering Women in Leadership. I love this organization. I've spoken before at We Will, and I'm really behind their mission around empowering women in leadership. She's also a co-founder of a Lean In Circle for Women. She's a certified strengths coach, and she's also an engagement champion, which means she's all about helping employees be engaged in their work. I'm a really visual person, so I love the story that Jenny brings to the podcast today to help explain the power of positivity. And my invitation to you is to think about and to journal and maybe pause the podcast when you hear an insight that Jenny shares where there's an opportunity for you to put the power of positivity from a mindset perspective into action. So where is there an area of your life or your professional career right now that you're struggling with? What becomes possible if you shift your mindset to a positive mindset. So Jenny's going to go through that process and explain it to us. So let's dive into my conversation with Jenny Ketchapah. Jenny, I am so excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here as well. Awesome. Well, why don't we get started? We'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself and your career history. Excellent. Oh my gosh, I just started my 25th year in banking which is really, I can't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't either. I've done it all. I've done it all. I started out like as a part-time teller when I was going to school. And then I was like a regional manager. I was on the sales side. I was on the operations side. But it was really the last decade that I found my home in human resources. My skill set is all about people and bringing out their talents. And so I recognize that Sales was okay, but it wasn't where my passion was. So I joined the HR side and I started the training and development and has blossomed into now the talent engagement team. So I'm the vice president of talent engagement and we get to do all the good stuff for our associates in terms of engaging them, leadership development, diversity and inclusion, culture, values, well-being, everything that makes an associate's experience a valuable experience. So I love, I really love what I do. Yeah. And Jenny, just on that topic, because it's so timely right now, especially right now in the environment that we're in with kind of post-COVID and hybrid workplace, I know it's not the topic, but would just love to get your perspective from an HR perspective 
what do you think, you know, employees, staff, what do you think they're really looking for right now in terms of what's keeping them engaged? Because I have a lot of leaders that are listening (laughs) that want to know that for their businesses. Well, what's interesting, we just finished our own engagement survey results and our organization actually went up, which that's what you'd want and expect. But what we're actually finding throughout the world right now is engagement, the numbers are going down. Mm -hmm. And as people are kind of coming back to work, the expectations have changed. And like the biggest pain points are well-being and lack of development. And so it's interesting because we're a bank, we never went fully remote. We did some hybrid, but we were an essential business. Like we still had to be able to operate. And at the time it felt challenging, but I think it served us really well because we didn't necessarily have a disconnect with our associates. Mm -hmm. We tried to work with every associate based on what was going on in their world. And so what we're finding elsewhere is other organizations, you were totally remote and now you're coming back and that's really kind of affecting well-being. People aren't connecting as much. What's really fascinating and frustrating to me is people aren't turning on their cameras anymore. Like they're burnt out, but yet when you turn on your camera, you're more engaged, you're connecting more. So it's almost like we're kind of our own worst enemy in this as well. So for us, our focus into 2023 is around development, really getting back to really good one-on-one sessions between a manager and associate, because so many pieces of engagement are tied to that. Talking about development, progress, strengths, getting recognition for what you're doing. So that's going to be our big focus. And I think that as leaders kind of come to the space and kind of come back post-COVID, it's getting back to connections and relationship building. Yeah. Whether you're hybrid, whether you're remote, whether you're back in the office. Yeah, that, that's what I really hear you saying. And so it's around that that true connection. I think people are looking for that. And there has been this blend of work and home life and there isn't a clear balance. You know, a, we say yeah. balance, right? There obviously needs to be a balance, but there's not a clear delineation anymore. And I think people are looking for more of that connection. They're not just, this is work and this is my life. It's all blended right now, especially for the younger generations, I feel. So thanks for thanks for sharing your insights hey, on that. Yeah, <laughs> no. So we met because I saw you present a wonderful presentation at We Will, and I'll have you explain what We Will is as well, around energy and the power of positive energy. And I was so taken by it and so excited by it that I asked you to be on the podcast. And so would love for you just to tell us a little bit about your perspective on positive energy and what ignited your passion on this topic. Oh, that's a great question. So you know how like you read a book and then you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. Like I felt like when I read the book that it kind of spoke to my heart because I feel like that was the life I was I was leading. Like Put your positive energy into things. It starts with the words we tell ourselves, like the conversations we have with ourselves. And I try to just put out what I want to get back. And so when I read the book, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And I loved it because it's not, it's a leadership book. It's John Gordon writes probably hundreds of leadership books. He's very, very good at it. But this one is fiction. And I thought it was such a cool way to do this powerful story about somebody that it's everybody else's problem, right? We never take accountability in this man in this story. Just everything in his life is going wrong, but he takes no accountability for it himself. And that's kind of the whole philosophy of positive energy is what do you want for yourself? What do you want for your family? What do you want for your life? And what are you doing to kind of invest in that? And I just, I really, really love that philosophy because, you know, the world, the world is a crazy place. And I think that the more that we can invest in ourselves and invest in others and really put more positive, positive energy out there, the better, the better we all win. We all win collectively. 
I, I completely agree. And so will you share with us the name of the book? Yeah, it's called The Energy Bus. <laughs> it's called The Energy Bus. And it's a euphemism. I mean, in the book, it's actually a real bus, but it's really like you're the driver of your own bus. Like I have my own bus and, you know, I'd have m- multiple buses, but who is on my bus and all of the rules for the road of how to really utilize positive energy. And it's interesting. I'm a big fan of strength. So my number one strength is positivity. So it's a very easy for me to make this correlation. But I recognize you don't have to be a super positive person or you don't have to have fake positivity in order to have positive energy. It just takes a little bit of work and kind of shifting your mindset. And like I said, it starts with the words we tell ourselves. Like, do we have a positive inner voice or is it more of a negative inner voice? Mm -hmm. And I've worked with people that have said, I have a really negative inner voice. And they would say things to themselves that they would never say to another person. And so for them, it's work because they have to change the way they talk to themselves. And they have, which is great. I love hearing those stories of people that are like, you know what, I I don't want to be an energy vampire anymore. Since doing this, I've done it a couple other times. And I just assumed that everyone coming to the session already had positive energy. I didn't realize how many people were looking for positive energy and sort of recognized I might be the energy vampire. I might be the problem. So I've had great conversations with people that are working to make positive change. Yeah. And and I love what you're sharing about this idea that you don't have to be super, I think people confuse positive with super energetic and super hyper, right? And then there's also kind of the flip side of that is this toxic positivity where everyone has to be super positive no matter what. And so would love for you just to dive into the nuances of, you know, kind of before we get into the lessons from the energy bus, would love for you just to talk a little bit more about positive energy versus toxic positivity and would love to get your take on that. So I'm not an expert in toxic positivity, but everything that I've been reading about and understanding is when we don't give space for all of our feelings and it's not necessarily genuine. And so it's really hard in a world right now where well-being is people are really struggling mm-hmm. and we've heard of, you know, famous people committing suicide. I can't tell you how many people like a friend of a friend of a friend and it's it's really worrisome and I'm I think about, you know, giving space for feelings. And I read an article this morning about someone, you know, who has anxiety and about not feeling safe enough to share that they have anxiety. And so when they get anxious in a social situation, they just leave and their friends feel like they're blowing them off and they're really trying to take care of themselves. And so what to me, like toxic positivity is it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. As opposed to like true positivity is I believe in the good. And that means that even in the challenging situations, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be there for you. I have a friend that knows that I lead with positivity. So she will call me and she will be like, okay, I need your positivity in this space. Like, give it to me and make me feel better. She'll also be like, I need to vent and I trust you. I don't need your positivity right now. I just want to get this. Like, she marked, I don't know if you do Marco Polo, but we use Marco Polo a lot. And so you get a single space to get all your words out. And she was, she was upset and she was crying and she had a family situation. And she goes, I know it's going to be fine. I just need to get this all out. And so we have to give space for people's feelings, all of the good, all of the bad, all of the ugly feelings. And so when I first heard about toxic positivity, it like was really hard because I am such a positive person and I lead with that so much. And so hearing the words toxic and positivity together was like, <laughs> but <laughs> but recognizing that it's not, it has to, all of our feelings have to be genuine. And so we can care about people. We can hope the best for them, even when things are are really, really challenging. Yeah, Jenny, I, I love what you're sharing. And 
I'm curious, you know, in the workplace as a leader, like I said, I, I do have a lot of leaders listening. What is your advice to them? Because well-being is such a, a big issue right now for so many people. So many people are struggling. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of leaders that have the mindset of, hey, that's personal. This is business. What advice or guidance do you give to leaders on how to create space? What's in bounds? What's out, out of bounds? You know, would love to get your perspective. Yeah, you know, especially from in the world of HR and looking at, you know, the differences in generations, this is really important because when people are going through monumental things in their life, whether it's a divorce, whether it's financial issues, we say check it at the door. You can't check it at the door. Like it's you're carrying it with you. And one of the things we look at in, in engagement is does my manager or someone at work care about me as a person? And that's a really powerful like workplace needs. And it's a really powerful driver of engagement. And so knowing that there's someone that cares about me as a person, which means they understand that I'm a human. They understand that when I come to work, there's all these other things happening. But to be my best work self, maybe you have to know about some of the other things going on in my world. And then are there resources for me? You know, employee, I forgot what they're called, EAP programs, employee assistant programs are extremely underutilized. And they're so incredible because most organizations pay for all of these things for an associate to talk with somebody professional, and they're really underutilized. So trying to make sure that associates know that there are resources out there. But I think leaders need to get to know their people, and they have to know the stressors in their world. It doesn't mean they have to fix it or solve it, but it's really helpful. You know, I have a family member that's battling cancer right now. So it's important that my 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 team, my manager knows that because it's going to take me out for certain things. And there's going to be times where I'm really struggling or how I'm showing up with my kids for things that are going on. So it's really helpful like to know that my boss knows, my team knows, and that they care and respect for me as an individual. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about the energy bus. There's 10 rules for, your, rules, yeah. for, your ride, <laughs> for the ride of your life. And so would love to just have you go through each of those and, and share some some information with us. I would love that. So the first one is you're the driver of your bus, which we sometimes let other people drive us, right? We're in charge. And sometimes we don't recognize that we're in charge, but we really are. We're in charge of where we want to go. And so we kind of have to think about where are we going? So putting goals together, right? And it could be your work bus. It could be your personal bus. But thinking about where do I want to go? Because if I'm not the driver, I'm always at the whim of somebody else's plans. And one of my favorite words is empowerment or empowered. And at the end of the day, each and every one of us is the most qualified and empowered to move our own bus. And I think a lot of times, you know, my husband and I were having this conversation the other day about like careers and ask for what you want. I think so many times we sit back. And I, I did this a lot in my career. I kept waiting to be noticed. I kept waiting for somebody to see all of the good that I was doing and then to magically give me the promotion <laughs> and magically give me this huge increase. And I think my boss actually instilled in me, like, ask her what you want. And I did. And she was like, I hear you. And it took a little while, but she kept coming back to me and saying, this is what I'm working on or possibly that like she, you could tell like she was like, I value you and I'm playing the long game. And it was worth it because then everything popped at once, you know, promotions, increases, stock stuff, like so many different things. And I felt so valued, but I had to take a little ownership and I had to like think about what is it that I want and am I communicating that? And so I like that when you think about you're the driver of your own bus. 
And when we think about taking responsibility at the end of the day, nobody can choose your attitude. And it's the same with energy, but you. Like people try to affect us and we try to blame it on that other person. You know, like when my kids are driving me crazy. But really, I <laughs> lose my temper not because of them. I lose my temper because I choose in that moment that it feels better to lose my temper than to be like, oh, take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. That's better to take a breath. Well, FYI. It's, it's so true, right? I mean, because our, our I mean, I have kids, too. They're older now. But I remember being in that stage. And it's like you have a choice. I can get really angry or I can laugh and just, le- you know, lean in with laughter I can stay peaceful, but I choose. And it's so interesting because I love what you're saying about driving your own bus, you know, advocating for yourself, being the driver of that bus, taking that accountability. Because so often when we don't, we feel we're at the victim of others or we're at the effect of others. And we have way more power than we think we do. And we give so much of it away. By, yes, we give so much of it away by basically not advocating for ourselves and not understanding that we we choose how we react. Yes. And then the second one is that desire, vision and focus move your bus in the right direction. Like, where am I actually going? And the desire is what do I want? And you have to think for yourself, what do I want? What do I want for my career? What do I want for my family? You know, I had a family member this year that I wanted our relationship to be different. And I was like, that person's not going to change. And and I can't change them. But I sure can change me. And I can change how I respond. And that was, at the end of the day, what I wanted. I wanted a better relationship. Uh, and the vision part is you have to believe it's going to happen. You have to see it. So many people will be like, I want this for my career, but it's never going to happen. Oh, well, God. no, if you don't actually believe in it, you actually have to have that that belief in it. Right. And then you get to focus, which is I'm going to I'm actually put effort into it. And, you know, the, our thoughts are very powerful. They're very, very magnetic. So especially if we're telling ourselves negative thoughts like, oh, I messed that up or I'm not good enough or I don't really deserve it. Well, that becomes the magnet and that becomes all we that then perpetuates our actions as opposed to, you know what? I am worth it. I am good enough. I do deserve this. Then our behaviors become sort of a product of that, which it's it's powerful. It's almost crazy in a sense, but it it is true. And it's really powerful to see in action. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Number three is that's the gas. Fuel your ride with positive energy. Like desire, vision and focus get us in the right direction. Like where are we going? But it's really how do we put that positive energy, which starts with our thoughts, and how do we put that into the bus? And it's there's this formula that's really like an event happens. There's a perception. We have a perception, and then that becomes the outcome. So what's happening in the world and in your life, like something that affects you, and then you have a perception. So if there's a challenging situation that happens, my challenging situation was, you know, I was put on hospital bed rest when I was 29 weeks pregnant with my son. So there's an event. Can't control the event. I can control my attitude. I can control my perception of it. And when I was in the hospital for four weeks, if my perception had been, this is the worst thing ever. Oh my gosh. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what's going to happen to my baby. All of these, by the way, when you start reading about NICU babies, it like takes you down this dark hole. Right. I had to change my perception so that the outcome would be different. And a lot of people would say, do you know what's really happening? And to which point I'm crystal clear. I crystal clear know what it's going to be like to have a preemie. I've read every book and researched everything. And so I knew all of that stuff. And I made a decision that I wasn't going to let it really bring me down. And there was moments where I cried. There was moments where like I was so upset and so angry. So I let all those feelings come out. 
but I didn't sit there for four weeks in the hospital and just be an energy vampire and be really negative about it. I looked at it as, all right, here I am. How am I going to handle this situation? And I tried to find little moments of fun, just really hard when you're in a hospital, but I found <laughs> moments of fun every day. Like I never once had hospital food. I made people bring me and because they were all wanted me to get to grow because the baby was small. So they were really focused at food. That wasn't why he wasn't growing. But in their world, it was like food. What food do you want? I'm like, all right, I'll have this and I'll have this. <laughs> and and so there are big events, there are little events, but you know, people sometimes say, do you look at it as a blessing in disguise? Or do you look at it as I'm gonna be a stronger, better person at the end of this? And, you know, that changes then the way you look at it. So when we perceive those challenging events, we get to control our reaction as well as the outcome. Absolutely. Jenny, I, you're, I, you might not be aware of this or not, but I lost my husband earlier this year. And oh my gosh. so, so much of what you're saying is so true. You know, I think there was a part of me because he was diagnosed with cancer. There was a part of me that was like, oh my gosh, how am, how am I even going to be upright after he eventually passes? We didn't know he was going to pass so soon. But you know, this event, this crazy event, just like, and there's no difference in the events, you know, people, there's you being in the NICU is just as relevant as my husband passing and, you know, or someone else losing their fur baby, right? I mean, it's just there's all these different events that happen to us. And it's how we choose to react to them. And I chose to see, you know, the gratitude and I chose to see the bright moments and to remember our memories and to to really move forward in a way that would honor, you know, our memory together and and how we lived our life together. And I've seen other people that, you know, have struggled to do that. And I'm not saying my way is better or whatever, but it's it, there is a choice there. There's a choice. And I'm not saying some days it's not difficult because it is, but it's a conscious, tangible choice that I make and I choose to to take moving forward. So so I'm really resonating with everything that you're sharing. Thank you for sharing that. I did not know. I am I'm really sorry no, to hear that. No, it's okay. But thank you. You're very remarkable in being able to like real life talk about this. And it's it is true. Like it's more than just, you know, words that we talk about with positive energy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Number four is invite people on your bus and share your vision because we want people to be a part of our journey. We want them to celebrate us and support us. And there's a line from the book, the bus driver's, her name is Joy, which I love because it's all about Joy. But she said, remember, you're driving the bus, George, Joy said. But as you drive, you want to keep asking people to get on. The worst they can say is no. If you don't ask them, they won't know to get on, which is true because, again, What's your busts and your vision for your family, for your work? And so like I think about the things that we've infused at my job around our culture and our values, and I'm constantly inviting people to be a part of that journey and to be on that bus because the more people that we have on that bus, the more we're affecting positive change around us. And we can't expect people to just jump on. We have to ask them to come and be a part of this journey with us and, and to help us on our journey. Yeah, Jenny, I have a quick question for you. So from a leadership perspective, I deal with it in my coaching practice all the time. So there's different personalities on different teams. They're motivated by different things. Some are, you know, from a DISC perspective, right? We have all four letters. We have different personality types from an MBTI perspective. And so what do you do or or what advice do you give when maybe you as a leader, your leadership style doesn't resonate maybe with one or two people on your team? 
how do you how do you bring them on the bus when <laughs> when there is that difference in leadership style? So, you know, at the end of the day, we're all really different, whether it's our our disc, I'm an I, or MBTI, I'm an ENFJ, or strengths or any of those things. We're all really, really different. And when we expect people to do things the exact way we do it, we're sorely disappointed. And so I always try to teach people and train people and coach people to respect the differences, find the uniqueness and kind of celebrate those uniqueness and have a really good conversation around that and making sure that as a leader, you don't do it just the way you do. So we, there's another tool we utilize called PI, which is predictive index. Mm-hmm. And one of them is about, do I think out loud or do I think to myself? I think out loud. I do too. So if you ask me a question, I'm going to be able to give you an on-the-spot answer. And that doesn't work for the person that I manage because she thinks inside her head, which is so foreign to me. So she needs space to think. And so if I'm always coming to her and be like, tell me what you think about this, I'm going to stress her out. And so what we always tell our leaders is, you know, meet people where they are, figure out what is their best way. So if I know I'm managing someone that is a think in my head, they're a little more introverted than I am extroverted, I'm going to give them stuff ahead of time and say, think about this and then come Mm -hmm. to this meeting. You know, we've all been in a training class or we've all been at a meeting where we see someone put on the spot because they're they're not contributing. So I'm going to call out that person. And what you don't realize is just because they're not speaking doesn't mean they're not contributing. And I am really glad I feel like I heard that message really early in my career because I think it's allowed me to be able to connect with anybody that's in my sessions. And it's usually the people that don't say a word that send me the most profound emails afterwards. Mm. Like, I really thought about this. And these are my thoughts because they're processing. And so we have to just recognize that we're not all the same. We don't do things the same. Um, Even the way we want to be recognized is not the same. So leaders, the hardest part of leadership is not like driving the sales. It is taking time to get to know your people and investing in really good one-on-one and coaching sessions. I mean, that really is at the end of it. That's that's going to be our our big focus next year. And I think it's really important. You're preaching to the choir. I I couldn't agree more. So, all right. What's the next one you have for us? Don't waste your energy on those who don't get on your bus. I mean, we did this as children. We did this as teenagers. We still do it sometimes as adults where we're trying so hard to win over others that don't see our path, that don't see our vision, and we're wasting our time, right? The fact is not everyone's willing to get on our bus. They're not buying into our vision, which is okay. They're totally entitled to that. And some people might even ruin the ride, right? If they get on, they're going to come on and be like the detractor. So when we spend so much time worrying and wondering about those who don't get on, we end up distracting from our own vision. It gets hard if this is your family bus, (laughs) because sometimes you have to put boundaries because you can't kick a family member off your bus. But we can talk about that in the next section. But when we think about like, again, our our work bus and what we want for our future and what we want for our career, if like I think about, again, our values and our culture, if if somebody's not, they're going to ruin my ride around that. If they're like, Jenny, I don't believe in our values at the bank. I don't want you on my bus, mm-hmm. you know, because you're not going, you know, if you want to try, awesome. And I'll give you the space to try. But if you're like, this is not for me, then it's going to ruin it for everybody else. And so really investing in the people that want to be there, investing in the people who are excited about your journey. Yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which leads to number six, which is post a sign, figurative or metaphorically, but 
No energy vampires allowed. So I did not know this, but apparently there is a TV show that talks about energy vampires. And I did this at work and someone sent me a clip of it and it was fantastic. And it was, it is, it's the person that saps all your energy, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's negativity, whether it's my life is so dramatic, it's this soap opera. And you're always like, wow, I, I left that meeting feeling super depleted. Like, how did it take all my energy away? Right. That's what an energy vampire is. And we want to be around people that increase our energy, not people who drain our energy. And it doesn't have to be crazy, high-level energy. It is having a conversation and being seen, being heard, being like, I get what you're doing. I like that. I want to be a part of that. But if someone's always going to take you down or bring all of the... There's always there's always problems, right? But what's the solution? So like if you're like, here's the problem with that, but here's an idea I have to make it better. That's awesome. But when you're just poking holes all the time and you're the energy vampire and just sucking all of it, all of the energy out. Yeah. And Jenny, what I love, you you brought this up in the beginning, is I think it's easy for us to identify those people in our lives who are those people. I mean, I have a couple of friends who literally just the immediately on the phone, the first thing they're talking about is all, everything that's wrong. And, and it's really difficult, right? And I've had those conversations with them. But I think it's also really important to understand and take a self-assessment of where we are. Are we being energy vampires? Yes. And are, are we the culprit? And what accountability? How are we showing up for others? Because I don't think we always... I don't think those people know that they're energy vampires, right? Because they haven't taken the- <laughs> Because There's some that totally do and there's some that are unaware. <laughs> right. I, I, was, I took my friend out. She she did this wonderful thing. She got this big award and I took her out and we were talking and it was a lot of bad things that were going on. And here we were celebrating her win and we were talking about the bad things. And she was like, you know what? This is not very positive. Like this is, I don't want, they don't want to bring us down. We're here to celebrate tonight. And she recognized it in the moment and she changed it in the moment. And I loved that. And I was like, yes, because I'm sure taking you out to celebrate your win. And if you want to talk about, you know, your drama, you can. But it was kind of like just, it wasn't that she needed a perspective. She didn't need help. She was just letting it out and recognize this isn't fun for either of us right now. Let's change, let's change the tone and let's change the mood. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And when we do have energy vampires, it's giving them, giving them a moment first, especially like you said, if they don't know they're an energy vampire. But, you know, tell them you want them on the bus. Like, I want you here, but I have rules, right? And this could be definitely more family related. Like, what are your boundaries? You know, because you want to be able to give people a chance. You want to help them change. Some people need to find a new bus altogether. But if it's family and they're going to be on your bus no matter what, how do you make it better? And again, we can't expect people to change we can hope that they change we can want them to change we can lead by example mm-hmm. and hope that they catch kind of some of what we're doing but we don't want them to end up affecting our mood our attitude because at the end of the day when they come in like i think of like a family dinner like that the uncle that comes in i don't have an uncle so i can totally use this like <laughs> that just blah, like the, at a thanksgiving at the end of the day that's it like, it's really that's about him it's really not about me it's not about my dinner that i'm hosting it's it's I love the four agreements. It's very in line with the four agreements of don't take anything personally. If someone else is going to word vomit on me and be not the greatest to me, it says way more about them than it says about me. Mm-hmm. And if I cannot take that personally, I'm immune to their negative opinions. Yep. 
Easier said than done, by the way. (laughs) No, I agree with you, but I think it's sage advice. So number seven is enthusiasm attracts more passengers and energizes them during the ride. And again, it doesn't have to be cheerleader, my level enthusiasm. That's really because of all my other strengths that I have. So my positivity shows up a little bit louder than other people's. Enthusiasm is passion. It's your own passion for like, do you like what it is that you're doing? Do you enjoy what you're creating on your bus? And when you can get people excited about that, they want to come on the ride with you because they're like, I want to be a part of that. That sounds incredible. And then they're helping you on your journey. Yep. Number eight is probably my favorite, and that is love your passengers. Even if you're a leader, loving your team members, loving your passengers, because at the end of the day, what that means is you want the best for them. So as a leader, I hope that as a leader, you want the best for the people that you manage, for your team. You want them to grow. You want them to shine. And so the best way to help them do that is to discover their own value inside of them. So again, we can take this personally. We can take it professionally. But thinking about who our passengers are. Is it the people that I'm managing? Is it my family that I see all the time? But ultimately, want to view our passengers as investments. Because the more we invest in them, the more they grow, the more they shine. And that just helps everybody. Yeah, I love that mindset. It's so true, Jenny. You know, there there is such an investment from a leadership perspective. And it's sometimes I hear leaders say, well, I don't have the time. And it's like, no, you need to make the time. It is an investment. Yeah. It's an investment of your time into them. And, and it saves so much time on the back end. Exactly. Like you take a little front time and invest in people and talk to them. In, I mean, that's really good leadership. You're not going to be putting out fires. You're not going to be working on exiting people. You're not going to be correcting bad behavior. The more you front load with your time with your people, the more you're going to get out of them. And the more productive your team is going to be, the higher your sales are going to be. And the more that you're not going to be always racing to fix something. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's a couple quick ways to love your passengers. Time, make time for them. Listen to them. Listen to them. You know, another big piece of engagement is my opinions count. And so when we listen to people, it feels like their opinions count. Recognize them, also linked to engagement, because people want to feel recognized. They want that somebody notices their value and what they bring to the table. Serve them. I love that one. Serve them. You know, take the time to help your passengers and bring out the best in them and kind of recognize that. Absolutely. All right. Two more to go. Number nine, drive with purpose. And when we drive with purpose, we don't get tired or bored, right? Our, our engines don't burn out. So that's really thinking that what's, what is purpose, right? What's my why? And that could be what's your why for your work or for your team? What's the why for your life? Uh, what's the why or your purpose for your family? And it, it may change, right? Year to year, different things happen at different times, but what's my why? Why is this important in my life right now? Yeah, I I love guiding people and and inviting them to take the time to really reflect on that. I know I didn't, you know, before I was in coaching. And I mean, my husband was the one that was asking me these provocative questions. And that's why I ended up transitioning my entire career, because because I did realize that my old career wasn't aligned with my my core why and my purpose. And so I really invite people to stop and take the time to reflect and ask those powerful questions. I love that, you know. We and this is, I think, important for the younger generation. Is sometimes we think that whatever we pick, we have to stay on that path. Yeah, yeah. And we get we get to change it up. It's scary. It's really scary. I similar to you. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be in this side of it anymore. But it was the best decision I ever made. I was in a sales role and I was not successful, and I had not been used to not being successful. And I thought I'm going to lose my job. Oh my gosh, 
And I happened to have a conversation with the director of HR at the time. And he basically said, what do you do well? And I was like, I was like, I train really well. He'd never seen me train. I was on the sales side. I was like, I'm a really good trainer. And he was like, huh. He just had it. He had the philosophy and he believed me. And so they, I became the trainer. <laughs> I love Which that. Totally changed things. But again, ask for what you want. We all, I think too, sometimes we think that our path is going to be this one beautiful straight line up. But there's been many times in my career where I had to take a step back or I got a promotion, but made less money than my previous job. And all it's like this crazy little jungle gym that if you can really just think about, is this good for my journey? Is this good for my development? Then knowing it's not always a straight line, it's not always straight up. But man, if you're open to it, you can really grow. Yeah, a couple of comments here. One is I love that when he asked you, you knew your strengths. I also think that's really important for people to identify. I think it's, sometimes it's hard. I, it, I always tell people it's trying to kind of show the fish water. It's like, what are those things that come easily to you? What are the things that you're just naturally yep. good at that you think probably everyone else is good at, but they're most likely not? It's Those are your core strengths. So I love that you knew that. And then also, I love when you talk about taking the zigzag approach in your career. I really invite people to think about their career from a portfolio perspective. And as a wheel, what kind of cross-functional experiences are you gaining by maybe having different dots on the circle and then starting out wide and getting closer in as you elevate in an organization, but also gathering those cross-functional experiences in different departments, which, yeah, you may have to take a step back, but what tools are you putting in your tool belt for later on? So I think it's really powerful. Thank you. And then number 10, have fun and enjoy the ride. We need to have more fun. You know, that's actually one of our core values at the bank. We have to have fun. And the book says this really great line. It says, the goal in life is to live young, and it means young in mindset and spirit, have fun, and arrive at your final destination, which is death, as late as possible with a smile on your face. <laughs> like, no regrets, right? This is this is what I did. I want to infuse the fun into it. And you know, when you see people having fun, we're attracted to that. And we want to be a part of that. And so I love that. And, you know, everyone has their own path and it's about driving our own bus with the best of what we have inside. I'm not trying to drive anyone else's bus. It's very hard for me. Sometimes I literally like to drive a couple other people's buses because I know I could be in a good direction, but we can't. <laughs> and and that's OK. Right. We can want the best for other people. But at the end of the day, we're in charge of ourselves. We're in charge of our bus and we're in charge of the way we look at things. And And that's positive energy. Right. All of these things put together. It's not. It's not this crazy concept. It is just kind of having the belief in yourself and putting the focus into it. Yeah. So, so, so powerful. I love, I'm super visual. So I love the the visual nature of the whole story and everything that you shared. It's so relatable and it, it's just so tangible. So I really, I really, really appreciate you sharing it. Question for you personally, when you think back on your career, and you think about the 10 rules for a good ride on the energy bus, what is maybe one area that was maybe a bigger challenge for you? I think for me, it kind of goes back to sometimes not recognizing in myself and the kind of the words you tell ourselves, right? Starting like with the very beginning mm -hmm. that maybe I can't do this. Like I remember the first time I think somebody asked me to be on a podcast, I was like, why do you want me? Instead of being like, 
I am, I didn't written a book, but I am an expert in these areas. And so recognizing within myself the things that I can do and the things that I tell myself. And I think that's really, really powerful. I can remember a really challenging situation was I thought I was in the best place in my career four years ago. Like I couldn't get any better. I had the best boss. I worked for the best organization. I helped create the culture there. And we felt the change. Like you actually saw the change happen with our associates. And then out of nowhere, it was announced that we were being acquired. And like, it was a shock. We had no idea it was happening. Oh, wow. And I'm really specialized. There's one of me. And there was one of me at the other bank. And the other bank was way farther away, didn't have like a remote program. And immediately I was like, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. Like, what's going to what's going to happen? Like, I've invested all this time in my career. And I was I was heartbroken. I felt I just felt heartbroken all the way across the board. And I I gave myself 24 hours to be angry and to be frustrated and to be sad. And then I was like, okay, then we can figure out what we're going to do. And my dad and my husband were like, this is the time. You should start your own business. <laughs> it's not my jam. Like, I know I love, I love working for an organization. I love all of the things that come with it. And I knew in my heart, while that works for so many people and sounds like a dream, it was causing me so much stress. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I really love the space I'm in. And so I went all in on what wouldn't they want me at this new, uh, at this new I bank. love that. I love and it. I asked for what I wanted. I was able to work remote, even though nobody else was. I was able to bring in all this new programming. I thought that for a second, the person that hired me then decided to retire. I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? But the person that they hired ended up being my new boss, who is the best boss I've ever had. Uh She is like the epitome of women empowering women. And, you know, you you think it can't get any better. And there was moments during that transition that I was like, oh, my gosh, this is change is hard. Change is really hard where it was very, very difficult. But now I can say I'm in the best position in my career. I work for the best organization and I have the best boss. So you have to, I had to trust in myself, but man, I was, I struggled and I was really frustrated and I was, I was really scared. I was really scared. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love from a bus perspective, you know, sometimes the road is windy and sometimes, yes. we, sometimes we get knocked around a little bit in the bus, right? We don't have our seatbelt on and, or someone takes our seatbelt off and, yes. and it can be scary, but I love, I love that you shared that example because you know, sometimes we can get so rooted in our security and in our comfort. Yes. And we can get knocked out of our comfort zone, but land in the best possible place on the most yeah. beautiful road with a great lookout, right? So exactly. I love it. Exactly. And it goes back to what's our perception of it. And I was like, no matter what, I'm growing from this experience and this will be a good experience. And we'll all figure it out. And that was funny because my last boss, who really was an amazing boss, I'd had a job offer in another another institution, but it it didn't, it, you have to go with your gut. It didn't feel right. And we were talking and he goes, no matter what, whatever decision you make, Jenny, it's the right decision. And he didn't mean like, I know you're going to choose this one. He meant, I know you, that whatever decision you make, you're going to make it the right decision. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm still really glad I chose the way I did. <laughs> yeah. No, but what what great validation for you to hear that. I yeah. I love that. I love that you said that. Before I ask your last words of wisdom, what advice do you wish you would have told your younger self in your career? I always ask uh, this because I think it's important. 
Ask for what you want sooner. Yes, yes. Advocate for yourself. You have to advocate for yourself. And I, you know, so many times it was waiting for someone else to see all the good work that I did. There's nothing wrong with telling everyone the good job that you're doing and the impact that you have made. And I would tell my younger self, like, girl, it's gonna, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. That's what the small stuff. Oh, I, it's so true. Everything you're saying is golden. Any last words of wisdom you have for my listeners? I just hope your listeners leave today realizing that the power is all within themselves and that we all have that power within ourselves. And I want more people to feel empowered to make the positive changes that they want in their world. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Anything that you want them to put into action. So maybe something tangible that they can do today or this week. The podcast is all around, you know, kind of turning these insights into action so that they can move forward. So curious if you have any thoughts. Yes. So depends on how deep you want to go. But I have no affiliation with the Energy Bus other than it matters to my heart. But there is a website it's called the Energy Bus and you can download the guide for free. And it's like it's like a 30 page guide that was like had like what's my does what's my why? What's my purpose? So if you really want to lean into any one of these or all any all of these, anybody can do that. But if not, start with the words you tell yourself, like just really thinking about what are the things I tell myself. And if you're catch yourself saying something not so nice to yourself, pause and then reframe it and try it again. Great advice, Jenny. I couldn't agree with you more. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show today. This was so fun. It was so much fun. I really appreciate you. you taking the time out. Great conversation. And I will have your links, your LinkedIn, et cetera, on the show notes. And I'll also have the link to the book because it'll Excellent. just make it easy for people to to go and purchase that if they want to do that and do some more research on their own. And so again, thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, take care, Jenny. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.